Hello everyone, this is The Spirit World, an Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. I'm your moderator, Evan Catlin, and joining me this week is panelist Corey Hollingsworth. Hello. And co-moderator, Emily Danko. Hello. How are we feeling today, guys? Good. Feeling, feeling good. Good. We have a little low-key episode uh, this week. I didn't really want to do two different book discussions back-to-back, so we have this as what might you might call a filler episode of the podcast still good content though so uh the first part is we're back to doing ember island clickbait um i wanted to i didn't want to go too negative so this is something that's kind of interesting the title of this is avatar the last airbender five things the highest rated episode did wrong and five things the lowest rated episode did right And to clarify, they're talking about (laughs) five things The Great Divide did right and five (laughs) things the series finale did wrong. And, you know... So we're going to get some hot takes in here. And The Great Divide is a very valuable episode if you would know if you had listened to last week's episode with uh, Rise of Kiyoshi. Yes. (laughs) It is so valuable. (laughs) It's so important. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to just kind of hit the broad strokes of this article because I don't want to steal people's uh, content. So please read the original article. I said it word for word. So uh, first thing is what the finale did wrong. Sokka losing both of his prized possessions. And obviously they're talking about when mm-hmm. Sokka throws both his boomerang and the space sword. Um <laughs> Do you guys hate that moment? I always thought that was a really nice moment. I thought it was pretty powerful. Right. Like, this was the thing that made him the master, but I think maybe if they didn't intend this, I feel like this is saying, hey, you don't need this, like, super space sword to be an awesome leader. Yeah. You're doing it all on your own. Yeah, and I was going to say, that's, the, like, the the actual, like, fighting part is not all Sokka is. He's a strategist. He's an right. inventor. You know, and he comes into his own in those last couple episodes as he's helping plan, you know, his their attack strategy. Sure. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, think it's... he. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I was just like, he stops all those airships without swinging his sword. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think the sword is really the important thing here. My favorite but, is I mean, when I, people I compare that moment where he's like, this is your captain speaking to the first couple episodes where he's like you can't fight firebenders with fun well (laughs) oh okay that's a good little callback i don't know if i ever made that connection before you're welcome Um, i don't know and i also like to think that toff because she was in mortal danger decided to try to help him find it i mean she just has to stamp her feet a little bit and they'll probably find it just fine yeah oh i never thought about that yeah (laughs) you know i don't know (laughs) Um, okay, so one, uh, one thing that uh, the Great Divide did right, Sokka in Katara's feud acts as a metaphor for the episode. Basically saying that, hey, we have these two tribes, we have Sokka and Katara, they're acting as a metaphor, don't you get it, guys? Don't you get it? Do you get it? It's just like the thing right here. Clearly, clearly if they just saw past their differences, they'd be best buds. Uh, Corey, do you think that's a good metaphor? I mean, I feel like it's not a metaphor so much as it is just like a framing device. Because right. we're, we're familiar with Sokka and Katara, so 
to be able to see their uh, argument and feud through the lens of these two warring tribes. It's just kind of like, I don't know, it, it does seem a little like spoon feeding, but I think it's more right. of a framing device. Yeah. I think it's straight up just, this is the only episode to me that feels like a kid show. Mm-hmm. Right. The, like, it does feel special. a little bit like, yeah, yeah, here's your PSA, <laughs> yeah. get along here's with the moral of the story. <laughs> Right, right. It's the only one that feels like that, uh, and that's not a bad thing. It is a kids show, but uh, it does. It feels like an episode of Pokemon or something. A right. little bit. Yep. I will yeah. say though, one thing I think um, the Great Divide did right is Aang's uh, like circumventing of the problem. It's like that Airbender mentality, where it's just like I'm just gonna of uh, like go around this problem. <laughs> And it's a good way of illustrating how details. he does things and how he like uses his airbender mentality to solve problems. Well, it, you, funny you say that. They actually say exactly that later on. So you're way ahead of me. You're Ha-ha. killing it right now. Maybe See? you should write articles. <laughs> See, but, you know, I like The Great Divide. I think it's a good episode. It's not the best, uh-huh. but it's a good episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. I mean, uh, agree to disagree. <laughs> I think I will... I will die and on my deathbed i will i will not give the great divide it's just desserts or do whatever like i'm not going to give it what it wants i will refuse to call that it'll be on your gravestone like i didn't like the great divide (laughs) oh how dare you oh okay good 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 um okay uh i don't know if i agree with this next one here but it's something i never really thought about Highest rated did wrong, not showing May's escape from prison. So if you guys remember, she didn't escape from prison. She was just let yeah. go. Yeah. But they are suggesting that maybe in the finale, we got to see Ty Lee or uh, May break her and Ty Lee out of prison and do a little escape. Um, I don't think it really fits the finale because they're kind of no. just doing their own thing. But I mean... We would have gotten some cool badass May moments. What do you guys think? I think it would have messed I mean, with the pacing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we've already got you know Aang and then Ozai off fighting, and we have Sokka and the rest of right. Team Avatar doing their thing. It definitely would have. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. The pacing would have been different because now we have yeah. two groups of non-benders, well, benders and non-benders, um, and then Aang. And it's just it'd be kind of muddled. I think. Honestly, I think that the pacing of the finale is perfect. Mm-hmm, I think right. it is a very rare <clears throat> finale that like is a hundred percent every moment is mapped out perfectly. I don't even think Korra I don't think Korra's the finale was paced perfectly. I think Avatar's is perfect in every way. Um, the pacing at least. Right. Um, so we're gonna go right along because uh, Emily guessed the next one. But <laughs> here's another one I don't really agree with. Um for the finale, they claim that we didn't get enough of Katara's waterbending. Basically, the little thing she does where she freezes Azula right before she gets blasted in the face with lightning yeah. wasn't enough for them. They wanted more of like swooshy, magical, mm. cool waterbending that was like showing off how great she was. I personally think that this was the perfect way to show off how powerful she was. Yes. Just by doing one motion... Mm-hmm. She stopped Azula in her tracks, and it showed a fine tuning of her water bending that she didn't mm-hmm. have in the first episode, um, because she could barely keep a fish in that water, and now she can uh-huh. keep Azula in the ice. <laughs> um, oh, I never really thought about that. Yeah, right, right. So That's I think parallel, I think it's 
I think it's perfect, uh, perfect display of her water bending, and it's not an easy feat, no, because um, she only unfroze herself. But what do you guys think that that should have been different, more of like a traditional battle? Um, I think I think something interesting, like so. I know Azula that last day she just starts firing everybody left and right, but yeah. I was it. It just seems kind of interesting that there wasn't more of a of a force preventing them from getting to the capital sooner. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it seems like they would have had some elite firebenders just totally ready to go. Um, but instead they're all over with Ozai or just not there at all. So, yeah. And also the whole Agni Kai with Azula is, I think, completing Zuko's character arc. I don't think it's as vital right. for Katara's character arc. And so the fact that Zuko you know, because his journey starts with the Agni Kai against his father. That's what right. broke him away from his normal. And so him doing this Agni Kai with Azula, I think that if it had been both of them, it wouldn't have had the same impact because, I mean, an Agni Kai isn't between three people. It's between two people, one against the other, you know? Sure. So, so yeah. to me, you know, Zuko following the rules of the Agni Kai is him regaining his honor. Like, that's his signal to himself like i don't need to have my father tell me i have my honor back this is what i'm doing sure yeah i think uh, that's a really good read of that and you know this is ember island clickbait so i do want to kind of <laughs> shit on them a little bit but i don't know if they really uh i, I wouldn't want to see a finale written by the these guys um so i guess the next one and well this is where we'll kind of end it um Apparently, do you guys like the canyon crawlers in 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 the Great Divide? I think it's like kind that? of a, I think it's kind of an interesting creature design. Yeah, yeah. I. You could almost say that this is, I think, where they're jumping the shark a little bit. With or, like the creature design, jumping the tiger shark, jumping <laughs> the tiger shark, maybe. Um, just because I mean, it it's not a mix. It's like it's like a wolf with a with a spider and like a crocodile and it's it's you know it's just a it's not a mix and maybe being a mix is like a rule that they should be able to break occasionally yeah but it's just like a weird design what do you guys think i think the design itself is really weird i don't it it's it it doesn't quite fit with a lot of the other creatures that we've seen where it's just a, a creature and a creature um, I think the the way that the like the rules of the uh, animals like fits though because you know when you're hiking out in the wilderness you know you need to have a bear box or a way to like keep your food away from you right and so like sure. I I think that the problems the canyon crawlers create are not like contrived or like artificial like that to me is realistic but yeah the design is a little little wacky for me sure sure um. I'll do one more. Uh, do you feel like they explained er- energy bending enough in the finale? Um, I mean, I mean, I feel like there has to be a degree of like mystical, like unknown. But I, I, I yeah. it makes total sense to me that you know it's because we learn later in core that it's the lion turtles that like be able to like switch on the ability to control an element. Yeah. So I think it makes total sense. Yeah. But we don't see like a flashy red and blue light show, and like, right, like the know. Porygon episode and, from Pokemon, and everyone gets like. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I think I think, and to be honest, I honestly like, I feel like they retcon this, but um, I know that 
I think that the whole light show thing was probably like in their heads or like metaphorical or yeah. like in their spirit. Ultimately though, I think in the finale they do acknowledge all the red and blue, but mm-hmm. like later they clearly this is not a thing that happens every time or else every time a lion turtle touches someone no. it'd be a crazy it's a like, way of thing, illustrating so. the way that ozai's energy like starts to take over ang and then ang like right right centers himself and i think that ener- like to me the energy bending connects to when uh ang is working with the guru to unlock his chakras because like chakras are yeah. like a form of energy and so Really what he's doing when he's unlocking those chakras is like working through his mental blocks and he's kind of like energy bending himself to be able to unlock the avatar state. Sure. And, sure. I, and, and I think that, that people just need to make that connection that, oh, chakras are energy that comes from within. The energy bending, the ability to bend comes from within because when Aang's you know, chakras aren't completely together, it is harder for him to do certain types of bending, you know? Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, that was Ember Island Clickbait. Just something fun. I I always like doing this because it just gets our creative juices flowing. Yeah. Um, and one thing uh, we do have next is a quick news update. Only got one piece of news, and it's really oh. quick. Uh, Suki alone got delayed two weeks from June 22nd, 2021 to two weeks from then, I think <laughs> July like 7th or something. I didn't actually write down when it got delayed to. Yeah. But not too much. Um, the only reason I even mentioned this is the fact that this hasn't really happened before um, and no reason was given for the delay. Yeah. Honestly, probably something with COVID. Um, so yeah, look forward to that two weeks later than normal. Um, okay. So, uh, as always, we are now to the meat of the podcast, and what I wanted to kind of talk about today is influences of Avatar, as well as things that have influenced Avatar. And the the goal behind this is to do more, not in-depth conversation, but kind of like recommendations and maybe a little bit of discussion on how these shows... um, either inspired Avatar or kind of took some ideas or themes from Avatar and made them their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of these shows are recommended. Uh, some are better than others, but uh, if you are itching for an Avatar fix, waiting for the remake show or Avatar Studios to come out with their film, these are a lot of good uh, a lot of good uh, uh, shows or movies. So... Kind of what I wanted to go to first is the st- things that have influenced Avatar. Mm-hmm. And um, this is not an all-encompassing list. Um, this is just kind of the ones that are the most obvious. And then if you guys have ideas, feel free to, to talk about them. Yeah. But one of the, the two of the biggest influences um, were an anime and a live-action film. And so the first thing I wanted to talk about is Cowboy Bebop. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know what Bebop is, um, at the very least. But if you don't know, it was an anime that came out in the late 90s that uh, was a single season, if you will. And it told a story from beginning to end and has a lot of things aesthetically not... I mean, it's it's a show that takes place in space. um, So it's not like... It's not exactly like Avatar, but a lot Mm -hmm. of the character designs and... Um, character moments is something that uh, inspired Avatar to tell a a deeper and richer story. Um, And so 
I really wanted to talk about Spike, the main character, um, mm-hmm. and how it seems like they both Avatar and Korra both seem to have a Spike lookalike <laughs> in the in the show. We, uh, in in Avatar, we have Jet. Jet. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> who has the thing in his mouth, and he he kind of yep. has the tousled hair, and he kind of looks badass and cool, the, and he's the leader school of, for school. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have uh, gotta be honest, his name escapes me, but that firebender from the clip show episode, um, yes. and the episode before that, um, who was actually voiced by Spike's actor. So that was clearly a a very specific yeah. reference. Um, but Emily, uh, you have seen Bebop. Yeah, I've seen most of it. I'm working my way through it okay. right now, and sure. I. I like that it tells the one story, and so I definitely like it's. It's nice to see an anime that tells a story from beginning to end because so often you get ones that are so episodic, so you you can sure. like skip a whole arc, and then it doesn't yeah. matter too much. And so it's it's yeah. refreshing. Um, and then I definitely you know see how that has influenced Avatar as well because you've got these you know stories from beginning to end. And, and and what I liked about Bebop is that it is episodic sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Avatar can be episodic. Yeah. You know, sure, they're going on a journey, but it, it allows Avatar, unlike Korra, mm-hmm. really allows the characters to just get up to random stuff. <laughs> um, and it really allows them the freedom to, uh, to tell interesting stories. And um, I know that aesthetically, I think Korra has a lot in common with bebop kind of yeah, the core has more a grown more, up, more grown up feel yeah yeah especially season one how dark and gritty it can be i think <laughs> it has an anime yeah. feel for sure yeah um but Corey, i know that you haven't seen bebop so you can't really add too much to the conversation um <laughs> yep. but you need to get on it you need to get on it you need to watch this show like <laughs> It is a, an amazing show filled with great characters, great action, especially, um, and it's oh, great. And also, um, the music in Cowboy Bebop is very similar oh. to the music in Korra. So, like, we didn't even talk about that, oh, but yeah. that's an important thing to yeah. bring up: is that not only yeah. is the visual stuff very connected because it's like cities in space and it's very gritty and you know right. fun, but the music also kind of carries over in, in that Korra influence. So. Sure, absolutely. Uh, uh, the the music, if you if you aren't aware, in Bebop is very jazz inspired. It's very so much very fun. jazz inspired. They created pretty much an entire band just to do the music for this for this show, and there's a lot of it. There's like six or seven full uh, CDs of music, mm-hmm. um, and so you can definitely see some influences, uh, albeit more um, Asian inspired with Korra mm-hmm. rather than traditional jazz. But um, yeah. And then another show that, or another a film that, I got to be honest, I haven't seen, so I'm just kind of mentioning it as an aside, is a film from I believe the late '90s or early 2000s called Shaolin Soccer. It's actually now, 2001. I'm going to pitch this. Sh- 2001. Okay. 2001. Cool. I'm going to pitch this uh, pitch this movie to you. Imagine like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, mixed with like, like a soccer movie. Like bend it like Beckham, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, mix those two shows together, those two movies together, and you have this 
insane like <laughs> like like soccer movie where they do like crazy wire jumps where they jump 30 feet in the air and kick a ball into the yep. into the goal and do the, all these action movie action moves and uh, Mike and Brian in contemporary interviews back in the mid 2000s said that Shaolin soccer was one of the biggest influences for the uh, kind of the fight choreography in the mm-hmm. style of Avatar. Because hmm. Shaolin soccer is modern day, but um, kind of the outrageousness of, uh, you know, <laughs> mixing mixing mm-hmm. martial arts with a sport, if you mm-hmm. will, uh, was a big influence of them. And it's fun. Check it out. So something that definitely we can all talk about is Studio Ghibli. Oh, Yes. And so, Corey, I want to know what film in your mind screams to you Avatar, uh, influenced Avatar the most? Uh, gosh, definitely uh, Spirited Away for me. Because um, oh, you, sure. that, that, you get that childlike lens of, you know, coming into this world, you don't really know any of the rules and how it works. Um, but there's yeah. that definite degree of like treachery and like if you you can very easily misstep and mm-hmm. find yourself in a really bad situation. Um, so yeah. definitely with the spirit world stuff with uh, Avatar, I think particularly we see it a little bit more in Korra, um, you know, with the, the mist of lost oh, yeah. souls and all that. Like, and the character and, designs as well. Right. And like, like the, the that, spirit designs. Yeah. And that um, concept of um, what's a good example I'm just like, you know, you, you see this creature that looks cute and adorable, but in reality can turn into this crazy monster. Um, I think right. that's something that's really important in a lot of anime shows is just that, like, sense of um, things aren't what they seem. Pretty much the whole, like, lesson that Boomy was trying to teach Aang in the that season one episode. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Emily, uh, do you... <laughs> would you say that Korra's spirit world is influenced by avatar or by spirited away or directly stealing from spirited away because i would say that a lot of especially one's beginnings episode yeah there are clear absolute like this is spirited away because they're they're in hot springs you know which is similar to the spirited away bathhouse um i think the carrot the carrot spirit yeah, and they've got yeah. the, the, radish, the, tur- the radish spirit. Um, right. And a lot of the character designs are super similar. There's not like a... I'm trying to remember that. I don't think there's like a bunny in Spirited Away, but I could definitely see that you, you see the influences. Like even the rabbit where it has that like kind of bushy mouth looks like the mustache of oh, the radish yeah. spirit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... And the the animosity between spirits and humans, you also see that because they're def- sure. they're distrusting of uh, Chihiro when they see her coming into the bathhouse, right? And so, um, yeah. Oh, what's his? In name? In fact, I think yeah. I think she actually gets gets into the bathhouse a lot easier than Juan does. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he's yeah, because because they're like humanoid, ba- but there's also a spirit helping her, right? And so he's like, you sure, can't breathe yeah. when you go across the bridge and then eat some of our food and you won't smell like a human anymore. And I think they do yeah. talk about how Juan stinks in the in the one episodes, sure. if I remember. Yeah. They talk so that, about how he smells bad. That might be just a straight up like I can't say stealing because it's not stealing, but that is a clear, direct yeah connection. I feel. Definitely. Um, 
Another thing I wanted to bring up, and, and it's probably an obvious uh, comparison here, but Princess Mononoke. Yes, I, think I was going to say that was the one that reminds me the huge, most. Huge, uh, another um, you know a direct direct influence, um, especially with the world um, and the world mm-hmm. of spirits and magic and nature, and um, I would even say like, I mean it's it's kind of a stretch, but Juan's little cat deer. Yeah, kind of reminds me of yeah. um, the the deer spirit, the deer god mm-hmm. from Mononoke. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and uh, both watch those movies if you if you are if you were hearing the words Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away, and you're like, what is this? Yeah, you need to watch those movies. Those are those are some of the best animated movies ever made. Yeah, and they are amazing. I would also say like the machine designs. I was watching Porco Rosso last night just because I haven't oh. seen Porco Rosso yet. And a lot of the like machine designs that are in Avatar remind me of the machines that you see in Miyazaki movies. Like a steampunk style? or Yeah, like, like the kind of steampunk style um, and the, the like the, the fact because some, in some animated things like they kind of hide the mechanics of things so you're like oh, okay like sure. that couldn't actually be a machine but like in the episode where they're making the um the fire nation uh blimps like that's a yeah. very realistic design it could you know you could build it based on the design of the one on the show and it would function you know what i mean and the mm-hmm, and the right. same thing with like porco rosso is they show like the engine connects to this and this and this and this. yeah. It it I see how they work with each other. And it feel they both of both properties, both styles. Um, the machines feel dirty. Yeah. yeah. They feel gross and they feel lived in. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's not a good thing that they exist, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one is a machine for war. The others might be, you know, killing the planet. Um, but I also think that. Parts of Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind. Oh yeah, can, you can you can say is an aesthetic influence. Um, mm-hmm. Now we're just getting into all of Miyazaki's work, um, but I can definitely see a lot of a lot of there. And Nausicaa, you got you guys got to see that if you have. I have seen that one. Um, it's been a while, but I've seen it. Yeah, Corey? Corey? I have not. I have not seen that one. Ah <laughs> oh, man, you gotta you gotta. You gotta you, you you need to do is you need to do what our audience members should do and. Just write all these names down and watch them all. <laughs> um, and so this next one is kind of just a comparison that I want to make that I don't know how much of this is actually influenced by, but I see a lot of them in each other, and that is Full Metal Alchemist. Mm-hmm. Um, this was started out as an anime in 2003, uh, finished be- and then went in its own direction because... The manga wasn't done yet, and then when the manga finished, they did Full, Alchem- Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when the manga started, but I believe it was in the early 2000s. But um, I believe you both have seen Full Metal Alchemist, correct? Yes, I've, I've seen I it, finished it all the way through. Okay, okay. It it it's very. It, how should I say this? It's not. Avatar. No. And it, it, and 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 I can tell that that you guys are kind of unconvinced that it's Avatar related. <laughs> but I would have to say that what I appreciate about Full Metal Alchemist is the rules that they've set in the world. Yeah. And um, how consistent that, the rules are. Yeah. Right, right. And they you know, they find ways to bend them. 
but they bend it within the the realm mm -hmm. of the universe itself. And I can see that in Avatar that it that you know, hey, it's not magic; it's water bending. It's yeah. not. It's not a. It's not just I'm waving my hands around and, and yeah. water's floating. I'm performing a martial art, or in the case yeah. of Full Metal Alchemist, I'm performing performing transmutation, and it only works yeah. in a certain way. Um, and I think, I think the limitations that are placed on these characters in mm -hmm. both shows um, make it. Mm -hmm. Personally, um, that being said. Uh, it's not for kids. <laughs> Don't watch it. <laughs> show is children. <laughs> no, no. I think, yeah. If it, if it isn't the violence, it's the language, and if it isn't the language, it's how pervy the show can be sometimes. Yeah. So, um, I mean, Full Metal Alchemist yeah. has a good ba has balance, like in the combat and the way that like alchemy works, and and you see that in Avatar yeah. too, because you know when the waterbenders get their power from the moon when the moon's taken away they're weakened and the same thing sure. for firebenders during you know there's there's an ebb and flow to yeah. how things work and it's nice that we're getting media that has the, the world building and the consistent rules sure yeah because honestly a show like full metal alchemist they could have just done whatever the hell they wanted mm -hmm. and probably would have gotten away with it but i think it would have weakened the story and the characters yes. and everything in between yeah um mm -hmm. and let me just say that in full metal alchemist brotherhood the first episode has this water dude who mm -hmm. essentially is blood bending and water bending yep. and like doing all of that it's so cool. i don't think He's in the original show or the manga, maybe. Is it but... Scar? If it's, oh, I'm trying no, to. No, it's not Scar. It's, no, it's he's not. just a dude. He's just a dude. Uh, yeah, because it's. But he just reminds me of a waterbender. Maybe yeah. that's just what I was thinking of. Maybe because it's kind of um... like the soft reboot of the show. So if you guys haven't seen the show, sure. like you watch the first part of Full Metal Alchemist and you get the whole like exposition. This is how those characters got to where they are today. And right. then you stop watching Full Metal Alchemist and then you move to Brotherhood so you can get the actual like story arc. And you can watch right. all of Full Metal Alchemist, but if you want the like manga story, you'll start with Full Metal Alchemist and then stop watching it, go to Brotherhood and watch all of that. And Full Metal Alchemist, the ending of that, specifically the treatment of certain characters i don't like um if you guys know what i'm talking about uh i believe her name is rose oh yeah um i don't like what they do with her um so, so you can skip the second half of full metal alchemist uh, <laughs> and go to brotherhood but um another influence that may not be direct but i more chose it because they are this is a show that is for kids, but clearly enjoyed by adults as well. And that was the show Gargoyles mm -hmm. in the 90s. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen much of Gargoyles, but I've seen about half. Um, and Emily, you haven't seen it? No, I have not. I just remember but, when I would like get movies and there's a Gargoyles right. and there'd be the ad for yeah, it. With the really yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And... <laughs> Personally, uh, my parents did not let me watch this show as a child. Reruns of it, obviously. But um, as kids who were all born in the 90s, we know of Gargoyles and can say <laughs> that at the very least, what I liked about this show is that it tackled things that other shows then especially didn't want to do. Yeah. You know, they, they tackled romance. They tackled villains who actually were competent and had plans and came yep. back and... Um, you know, there are entire tropes that Gargoyles essentially invented on their own um, about like, essentially the villain from Gargoyles always has a plan 
and he always is able to yeah. maneuver out of that plan um, with that plan. And um, I would say that Avatar, at, at its core, the spirit of Avatar and Korra and all, all everything in between, is a cartoon cartoon that mm-hmm. that is loved by kids and can be child appropriate, but can be real yep. when it needs to be real. Um, you know, and I appreciate that. So the next thing I want to talk about is shows that Avatar and Korra have influenced and either, and I kind of want to go by category. So first I want to go into directly related. So these are shows that either involved crew or animation studios um, from either show, but are like, if you've seen Korra and Avatar, you should probably see these shows just Mm -hmm. to see what else they've done. Yeah. So the first thing I want to talk about is uh, the Dragon Prince. Mm -hmm. And just as a quick little history lesson, um, Aaron Mm Ehas was a head writer on The uh, The Last Airbender. And he did not join The Legend of Korra and did his own thing for Mm -hmm. like 10 years. And then he started his own studio called Wonderstorm. And their first project is The Dragon Prince, a kind of multimedia franchise Mm -hmm. similar to Avatar. Um... Corey. <laughs> so the Dragon Prince, we've all seen it. Mm-hmm. Yep. How similar is the Dragon Prince to Avatar? Oh man, uh, I mean, so so when I first watched it, I was I went into it knowing that okay, this is by people that also did Avatar. I should like this, and just that opening credits where they're talking about where all the different branches of magic come from. I was just like, okay, this seems just like a repainted Avatar intro. Yeah. With the yeah. four elements, oh, I'm just like I hate that opening. Okay, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so like right off the bat, I'm like, all right, I really hope this isn't going to be like the Force Awakens answer to Star Wars, you know, where it's yeah. just a repainted version. Um, yeah. But you know, we see a lot of character beats, and you know, we get the cute little uh, non-verbal creatures, sidekicks. Sure. Um, a lot, a lot of those kind of things, as well as. We start to see um, how, you know, people that we perceived as enemies are now our, our friends, specifically like mm-hmm, the Sun Elf. And I forget what the ant's name is, but, you know, they become friends. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they are supposed to become more, I think, is what, right? Mm. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Emily, do you, I mean, is it in, is it inspired by Avatar or is it straight up... I just want to do Avatar again, and I'm not going to let anyone stop me. Is that is that what it feels like? I mean, almost, because it's very, like, it's, I'm not going to say self-referential because, you know, Avatar and Dragon, but, it, but it's, like, it refers to Avatar, and it bugs me. Like, yes. the yes. boomerang part, like, some of the jokes are just, like, so in your face, and they're so obvious, and it's like... Like, it'd be one thing I, if there was a boomerang in the background and they don't acknowledge it because yeah. that's a cool little Easter egg. Yeah. But someone, the, Sokka's, you know, same voice actor who now plays this main character in Dragon Prince holding up the boomerang and commenting on it. It's like, come on, you know? Yeah, to, to explain for the audience, like Emily said, uh, Jack DeSena is the voice of Sokka in Avatar. He voices the main character, Callum, in The Dragon Prince. And there's a moment when he picks up a boomerang and goes, huh, boomerang. And there's like a moment where the camera just stops and everything just stops. There's a beat. For you like, to go, 
Right, and you go, you go. Oh, that's the boomerang. What? And then the the show continues, but it doesn't make like real world sense that no. he would be commenting on this boomerang. Like, there's no reason for this to ex- for this moment to exist. Yeah. Um, and honestly, the show feels a lot of that. Yeah, it feels like a lot of that. Um, right. Fun fact: the uh, the opening narration, who is also voiced by uh, the the weird evil elf um um Erevos, is that his name yes yes yeah. he's like the main villain yeah. elf he is voiced by ko the face stealers uh yeah voice oh actor. yeah and yeah. so like i'm not i'm okay with voice actors coming back but like i definitely feel like a lot of the choices narratively and and production wise were made in reference to avatar <laughs> Like it wasn't just oh hey I know a guy from Avatar that'd be good. They it it really feels like hey I want to do this thing that they did in Avatar. Yeah. You know we have a Zuko type character. You have um, Claudia who's like a Zula. Right, right, and actually I would say Claudia is more like Zuko almost yeah. personally. Yeah. Um, she is a lot more honorable, clearly... but the design looks like a Zula. Oh sure, sure. You know we have the evil father who's like the main villain um i don't know i i do want to give the dragon prince props because it does a lot of things well um kind of (laughs) um it's a little episodic like avatar but it has like a full arc right it has a story that makes sense from beginning to end it's got some of that you know uh some of the coming of age themes, you know, that Avatar sure. does as well. A lot of the coming of age themes. And I think that the finale of season three is very Lord of the Rings esque, but yes. it, it really felt like a really big battle. Mm-hmm. And I think the closest thing that Avatar ever got was the season one finale. Mm-hmm. And it is a shame that Avatar never really wanted to go there again. Yeah. Um, right. That it's sometimes just really nice to just see a bunch of armies try to destruction each other. um and it's kind of just nice sometimes and uh i do appreciate that of dragon prince um what i don't like though is the fact that callum is this chosen one type of character yeah but unlike in avatar where ang has a reason to be the chosen one because you know he's the avatar um yeah. and it feels earned callum is just he can just do elf magic for no reason yeah so far they haven't explained it and yeah. I don't really like the fact that they haven't explained it because I know they're gonna there's gonna be some sort of twist. They were like, "Oh, he's part elf for some crazy thing." His his mom is Emperor just to tell Palpatine. me. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <sighs> that was a really funny joke, Emily. I appreciate that. But but you know what I mean, like like. Just explain it. Just tell me why. Just just tell me why because that's not the interesting thing. Not knowing why he can't do this is not interesting. Yeah. Um, just tell me. But another weakness I think the Dragon Prince has, even though it's trying to be Avatar, is that there's just not enough episodes to do what it's trying yeah. to do. Right. For 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 people who aren't, don't know, um, the episodes of of the Dragon Prince pretty much range between I think six and eight episodes. Yeah, it's which, very short. To be honest was not enough for Korra, and I don't think it's enough for the Dragon Prince. The Dragon Prince pretty much has no time to be episodic like Avatar does. It just needs to go, 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 go. And uh, 
I never because of that I never get a sense of the world. Yeah. When I when I say when I say when I can tell you Ember Island, you guys can imagine what that looks like. You know mm-hmm. what it looks like even though you barely saw it. Because they they show you this this town, but you get a feeling of the world. And yep. it's not a measurable thing. I can't explain to you exactly how. Um, but when I tell you a random city in Dragon Prince, can you even mm-hmm. imagine what it looks like? Can you imagine living there? What the what the <laughs> no. what the trade is like? They like don't in, go there. In Avatar, we get to see all four nations. Like we get to visit right. the Airbending temples. We get to visit the not only the fire temple with the, the fire, fire sages, sages yeah. but we get to see yeah. you know more of the fire nation things like that we see both poles you know and that being said that being said the show's not done yet so they're going to get there yes. but i think that based on what we've seen so far i think season 1 of avatar does a better job building the world mm-hmm. than 3 seasons of the dragon prince has so yeah. far which is about equal in the amount of episodes yeah so you know, it is unfair because it is not done yet, but yeah. um, I'd really like to see the Dragon Prince stop trying to be other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's, uh, Avatar Influences isn't the only thing that it likes to reference. It referenced a Lord of the Rings meme, one who's mm-hmm. not simply walking <laughs> in Mordor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it references, for of all things, the Wonderwall meme. <laughs> anyway, here's Wonderwall um, in season three, I believe. Um, so... I would really, really like later seasons of the Dragon Prince to 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 stop trying to be other things, just yeah. be its own thing. Yeah. Um, so because it does some super cool things, I think I think Viren is a really good villain. Oh yeah, he's a great yeah. villain. Yeah. So do it. Do your own thing. And then um, the other thing I want to talk about, and I might be opening a can of worms here, but uh, so after the Legend of Korra ended. Besides Mike and Brian, most of the crew went on to do a new show called uh, Voltron. Um, I don't know the full title of Voltron. Legendary I've seen like Defenders, half of the show. I think. There you go. There you go. So, and by by most of the team, I pretty much mean if you take out Mike and Brian, yep. the animation company, the the writers and animators and storyboard artists, they all pretty much jumped onto Voltron. Mm-hmm. And... You guys have all seen Voltron, right? Yep. Uh, I've seen, I think, half of it so far. Yeah. Okay. What do you guys think of it? Is it good? I really like it, yeah. Okay. Does it fill a void? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I think it uh, I th- It kind of kickstarts, and we'll talk about, like, She-Ra a little bit later, but I think it kind okay. of kickstarted this sense of nostalgia that people had and you know because yeah. it's based off of uh the 90s cartoon right and so it's you know i i think that it's kind of trying to straddle that gap between being really yeah. episodic and doing something more where you've got a a really long-standing uh you know story arc where there are consequences for the world based yeah. on what happens in a finale it's not just Oh well, we got the main villain, but looks like he broke out of jail again. Guess we'll have to beat him next episode. You know, a, a, a lot of those, you know, anime and and cartoons can can get a little bit like, okay, we're just going to beat the villain next time. You know. And to to clarify, DreamWorks 
um, is the uh, is the like head production company of yep. both of these shows, both Voltron and She-Ra. Yeah. So this was clearly like. I'm picturing like in 2013 or 2012, mm-hmm. some executive was like, we need to uh, revamp our old properties like Voltron and She-Ra and yep. He-Man. And they probably were just like, all right, let's do it. And they just went, okay, you you do this one, you do this one, you do this one, uh-huh. and then we have what we have. So um, I think you're right. I think Voltron was the start of that. And I think they're still doing that for the most part, but... Voltron is interesting to me because I don't know if it starts out very strongly. I think it just kind of... The problem I have with a lot of these shows that we're going to talk about is they try to rush to their to their, their cell. Like, yeah. if, you were to, if you were to sell Voltron, you'd be like, it's about these group of people with this fucking robot and they're <laughs> they're going around space right five robots um, five robots that five make robots one that robot. can turn into one yeah 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 i feel like they just try to rush into that and i think by the end of episode one or episode two they get there i just feel like that's too quick i didn't feel yeah. like i got a sense of the world before shit hit the fan mm-hmm. and i think avatar like ang doesn't admit that he's the avatar right away yeah. You know, like, we don't even find out that Sozin's Comet is a thing until, like, halfway through season one. Yeah. So a, a lot of these shows, they just they just don't let the world breathe mm-hmm. or let the characters breathe. And um, the other problem I have with Voltron is not related to the fact that it's Avatar, but the fact that its treatment of um, its LGBT uh, characters is not very good. And yeah. the reason I called this a can of worms is that this has been very heavily documented. But in case mm-hmm. you weren't aware, this is this is me on the outside not knowing all the details, so bear with me. But basically, yeah. at the end of the final season, there was a trailer that was shown basically showing um, one of the main characters having a male uh, love interest mm-hmm. and who was also a man. Um, and... They basically were like, yo, our main character's gay. He's a gay. Don't you guys yeah. want to praise us for having a gay character? And then um, when the premiere of that last season started, that character was killed off screen before the yep. season started, I believe. Um, and so essentially that's burying your gay- your gaze. You are queer baiting yep. in a lot of ways. And um, it doesn't feel honest. Mm-mm. Like even though Korra ended... Even though Korra ended um, where the characters couldn't even kiss at the end, mm-hmm. I never felt like Korra was queer baiting. Yeah. I never felt like it was not being honest. What do you guys think about that? Because the finale, it wasn't advertised to be this, you know, budding relationship. The, the, the sticking point of the last episode wasn't the relationship between Korra and Asami. That was that nice little treat that we had at the end of like, oh, yeah. you know, the, the whole point of the last episode was that Kuvira, you know, has got to go down. Yeah. Um, so then do you feel like then Voltron is a positive uh, positive representation or just representation as representation's sake? And because like... would it be better to have no gay characters at all? Oh, by the way, this said character, by the way, uh, gets married at, at near the end of the show, but to a, a male character that's unnamed and never yeah. seen. Yeah, 
It's so imagine if imagine if imagine if if Varric got married to some random person. Yeah. At the end of Korra. (laughs) And we're supposed to be like, yo, we're so happy. But it's, develop it's, your relationships with right, people. Right. That's just develop them. Just develop them. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I I think Voltron was a nice show, but near the end there, I was like, what are you guys doing? It felt like every other day I was reading about some crazy thing that they were doing. Yeah. Um, but I do miss. I do think that Voltron might have been the end of like a action heavy. Yep. Like like animated show. I haven't really seen one after this that really focused on animation quality and really wanted to focus mm-hmm. on action and all of that. Because the shows we're about to talk about, yeah, uh, are not directly related to Avatar. Um, also, my biggest I, problem with Voltron is the like thirty seconds it takes every single episode for them to transform <laughs> into Voltron. Uh, like, yeah. Like, yeah. you know the meme where it's just like this and then this if this happened? Voltron Legendary Defenders. Voltron Legendary Defenders if they t- if they shortened the transformation sequence. Like, that's what I feel See, like. See, anime does that a lot, though. You don't have a problem with anime, does it? Well, the, but, the sad but, like, thing is Voltron like, is made by a big company that has lots of money and... That doesn't mean know. shit. <laughs> She-Ra doesn't do that. The She-Ra transformation, they shorten it. You know? You're right. So they might have learned their lesson, maybe. I think so. But it was like, and especially because I was binging it. So I was like, oh, uh, this again. Sure. Uh, Corey, what were you saying? Um, I was just going to say, like, it's just, it's a sad byproduct of them just trying to save money on, you know, yeah. animation and just like filler just for the episode. Just it. Just cut it. Uh, well, give that's, us a that's montage just obnoxious. episode. Like, I would right. rather have like a montage episode where they're just talking about like their adventures. You know, give us another sure. Ember Island. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the next category, well, actually, I do want to mention um, the Clone Wars, Star Wars, the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. because uh, Dave Filoni was a director and writer on The Last Airbender. And he's kind of a big deal now. He's like oh, yeah. a huge deal. He's pretty much second fiddle in uh, in the Star Wars universe to Kathleen mm-hmm. Kennedy. He wrote the he he did the entirety of Clone Wars. Then he went on to do Rebels, mm-hmm. and then he went on to I think team up with um, John Favreau. Uh, yeah, he John worked Favreau. on the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Is it John Favreau? Is it John Favreau? Yeah. John. Yeah. Okay, I don't know why I didn't think it was John. But he worked worked with him on Mandalorian and working with him in Mandalorian season two and like a bunch of other shows. So he's a big freaking deal now. So I just kind of wanted to mention, um, good for him. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't say that there's a lot of Avatar influences in those shows, but uh, good on him for kind of rising up in the world. Yeah. Um, Star Wars is a big deal, and he apparently is very well loved in that community. Yeah, because like Star so Wars already has the like pre-established rules. Although I will say the the world building that has been done about Mandalorian culture in the show is very, very interesting. And the, you know, avatars influenced from, you know, Asian cultures. I, the, I, I want to oh, mention sure. in one of the recent episodes, they come up against some sand people and they actually developed uh. sign language based on, you know, ASL for the sand people because they're a culture that has very limited vocal ability and so they mainly sure. talk in sign language. So I can see elements of how the the show's universe and the show's cultures are influenced by 
real life things and I think it makes it more realistic and more interesting the same way it makes Avatar and Korra more realistic and interesting. You mean Star Wars is good, apparently? The Mandalorian's good. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so I kind of want to change gears for a second, or for permanently, I guess. Um, <laughs> to, instead of directly related, I want to go to style, plot, mm -hmm. or character influences. And so some of these I might be stretching it a little bit, but the first one I want to talk about is She-Ra. And we kind of mentioned mm -hmm. it already, but She-Ra is a show on Netflix that is, again, based on a 90s or 80s really property mm -hmm. but what I appreciate about She-Ra is that unlike the Dragon Prince and I want to compare these two shows a lot mm -hmm. She-Ra is character driven yes. it's not plot driven because ultimately the plot isn't that interesting it's like no. oh there's bad people there's good people the bad people want to subjugate the good people and some of the good people are bad people and some of the bad people are good people right right what I love about She-Ra, what makes She-Ra a show worth watching, if you haven't seen it, is that the characters are mwah. Yes. Like, like <laughs> you have you have a Zuko-type character that is, honestly, I would say, almost better written than Zuko yeah. in Avatar is, and that's that's a hot take right there. Well, uh, Katara has meaning. a chance to have a bigger redemption arc. Uh, yeah, Katra being more of a Zuko is kind of what I mean, but um, but but um, we have a Zuko type character. We have an Aang type character who's mm -hmm. the chosen one and was mm -hmm. reincarnated or blah 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 yep. through all these people and can talk to her previous lives. And mm -hmm. but I think that what the Dragon Prince did, what it was inspired by, was the world. It's like I yeah. want to create this amazingly detailed world and try to make that a plot driven thing. What She-Ra did, I think, very smartly is go, I want to make a character-driven show, mm -hmm. and it's about these characters. I don't care about anything else. I care about these characters. And if these characters are not interesting and fun, then the show has failed. Yep. Um, so, Corey, what about these characters remind you of Avatar? Um... I mean, I mean, I could immediately pick of characters that remind me of characters from Avatar. Like Perfuma okay. definitely reads as a Tai Lee with the like aura mm -hmm. reading and just that like oh, flowery sure. yeah. over the top positivity. Um, yeah. But I, th I think that's something that's really important about these shows where these characters have these fantastical abilities are those characters that don't have those ma amazing things and they, sure. you know, they but they still present themselves as a power hitter such as Sokka mm -hmm. with his, like, being able to strategize and just his, like, weapon skills. Mm -hmm. We see yeah. the same thing with Bo. Like, Bo is the plan guy. He's the, the tech master. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's really important when these shows have those characters that um, are still strong in their own way without the, the magic abilities. Mm -hmm. Hell, Katra technically doesn't have power. She has the power of being a meow, but uh, <laughs> she doesn't have, she doesn't have, you know, She's the angsty supernatural cat powers. girlfriend. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but one thing else I wanted to talk about is how Korra kind of broke ground with its finale. Mm -hmm. um, and you can kind of see some of that with She-Ra. A lot Both of shows, um, you know, spoiler alert for the finale of She-Ra, but both shows end with uh, two main female characters uh, starting a relationship. Mm -hmm. But in the case of She-Ra, it's clearly there from the beginning. Oh, yeah. It's there from the beginning. They're yep. good friends, but clearly they're trying to say that they there was something here that isn't there anymore, but maybe mm -hmm. there will be in the future, and yeah. there happened 
to be one. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really well done, mm-hmm. extremely well done, and is one of the best parts of that show. Yeah. And I appreciate that shows like this can continue to break new ground mm-hmm. and do it in positive ways. And you can debate about how their relationship might be toxic, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. clearly Katra was not, was the victim of, of abuse by mm-hmm. people above yeah. her. So, yeah. When- I mean, wh- what do you guys think of that? And also what I like about She-Ra is that these LGBTQ relationships are just part of the world. Like you've got Bo's right. two dads, you've got uh, Spinnerella and Natasa who are in a relationship right. with each other. And I think they're married, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're married. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it's, it's not something, it's not a, a big deal. Because some of the things yeah. that bother me sometimes is when they make a big deal about these characters like coming out, and sure. I mean they have like, double trouble as well, and that's yeah, even yeah, yeah, villains. Yeah. Even villains use the the correct uh, pronouns for double trouble, exactly. which is very appreciated. Even even yeah. evil people can <laughs> use correct pronouns, exactly. Um, but but yeah, and you're right because it is it is integrated into the world. It is yeah. a part of the world, but not the focus. And yeah. you know, I have to say that. In the realm of just the shows, Avatar and Korra have two characters who are part of the LGBT community, mm-hmm. and that's Korra and Asami in the last 30 seconds of the show. Mm-hmm. And of course, the comics, uh, you know, widen, you know, they, they increase that number and yeah. make it a we part also, of the world. But And we have Kyoshi, have, have as, Kyoshi well. as well. But um, I do appreciate that uh, She-Ra was able to do that. That being said, apparently it was not easy. No. Um, and we have our next uh, show to thank for that, apparently, and that is Steven Universe. Yes. And you're thinking, Evan, Steven Universe, Avatar, are they really related? Yes. I think I think they are. I think they are. I, you know, they don't have like a chosen one type character who was reincarnated. They don't have any no. of that. But I think what Steven Universe has that Avatar has is a lot of heart. Yeah. And really well done characters. And, um, you know, again, it like She-Ra integrated uh, the LGBT uh, mm-hmm. elements into the show very well. And actually, because of the ending of, of Steven Universe, allowed She-Ra to even continue yep. as a show. Um, which I think is, is awesome. But um, Corey... What do you like about Steven Universe? Oh man, <laughs> there's so many things. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I really love the uh, the rules with the um, how the magic the, the magic works. Um, yeah. In terms of like you know gemstones and uh, specifically, um, I really appreciate the concept of uh, what's the word? Um, not I guess like reinvent. Like when they when they um, get poofed. They have the ability yeah. to come back in a new form. And I think that's really yeah. important to show kids. Because, um, like, you know, you see Dexter's laboratory. He opens his closet, and it's all the same exact outfit like every other cartoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one shows that, you know, you can change and develop as a person, and you don't always have mm-hmm. to have this set identity that you yeah, initially sure. thought of. And I think that's so important, for especially for kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Really important for adults, too, honestly. I, <laughs> yeah. I think, too, what what... It, what Steven Universe does really well too is it 
talks about the consequences of what happened before. And I see that yeah. connected to Avatar as well because, you know, Aang's whole conflict that he has to handle is because of Roku's inability to figure out, you know, a way to, to fix what was going on in the Fire Nation and things like that. And it's kind of like, yeah. it's, it's like every single Avatar, you know, has made these mistakes and then their next incarnation has to deal with the consequences and the impact of those events. And, you know, Steven Universe, you know, he's, he's very trying, he's trying hard not to be his mom, but everyone expects him to be like his mom because the gems, you know, really don't have this concept of like motherhood. They just see the gem and they're just yeah. like, oh, you are this person. Um, and I, and I think that the importance of finding your identity the way that Aang does, you know, saying I'm going to stay true to who I am in my airbender culture and also Steven say, staying true to who he is, is a, is a theme we see in both shows that's really important. A quote from Avatar that I'm reminded of is when Aang um, is in the season one finale and he can't mm -hmm. just, he can't beat him. He yeah. says, I'm just a kid. He just yep. says, I'm just a kid. And I think that, that reminds me of Steven Universe a lot is, you know, like you said, they don't treat him like a child. And that kind of bites him in the butt in the end. Yep. Yeah. As shown in Steven Universe Future. That yeah. He's not allowed to just be a kid, man. And so it, what I appreciate that, that, that Steven Universe does, that honestly does better than all these shows we're talking about, yes. is showing how the, these horrible events actually impact him mm -hmm. physically and mentally and show what happens after the show kind of ends. Yeah. Because um, for the most part, we don't get to see that for either of the other shows. Once the show ends, it's kind of it, and the comics yep. kind of fill in some gaps, but yep. ultimately their story is over. So I, I really appreciate that with Steven Universe. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you, uh, Rebecca Sugar, for making such a wonderful show. Um, and, and really blazing a trail. And Steven, in, the, in the, the finale, you know, they, they tell him, you're acting like a child. I am a child. It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah, yeah same thing. Yeah, so... Um, Honestly, like, Steven Universe probably wasn't too influenced by Avatar, but I do see some little seeds there. Um, yeah, and so the two next shows I want to talk about are more plot-focused, and they ha and our, my two guests here have not seen these shows, so I'm going to kind of just do some generalized references yeah. here. But we first have Ruby, which is a web series made by Rooster Teeth, um, created by Monty Ohm. Um, or Oom, I should say. Um, for the most part, this show is 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 okay. Um, but a YouTuber by the name of H Bomber Guy did like a three hour video about why Ruby sucks, and I'm not going to mm. get into that because I actually really like Ruby. But he made a ref he made a a comparison that Ruby is essentially Avatar. Like mm -hmm. to, to almost to a fault, um, huh. if you if you will. Hmm. And there is characters who are reincarnated. There are supernatural nature-based powers that go from person to person to person. There are a lot of elements of world building and and all of that. And um, I wanted to mention it because. Um, some might say that it is Avatar inspired to a fault. Uh, it actually reminds me a lot of the Dragon Prince, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I think it's worth watching because it has, kind of like She-Ra, a lot of focus on these characters. And you really get to know these characters because Ruby's been going on for so long now. And they're yeah. up to season 
eight. Season wow. eight just ended. Uh, and they're planning on having around, I think, 11 to 12 seasons. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so both of you, re- highly recommended. Um, if you like Avatar, you like Ruby. For the viewers at home, though, keep in mind that Ruby did start out as a web series with no budget. Yeah. And if you watch season one of this show, every character that's not a main character is just a black silhouette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that's straight right. up. Yeah. Not even just, just straight up just a black outline with no other defining characteristics. Gotta save money and, somehow. <laughs> yeah. The show eventually gets a budget, um, and now... The latest season looks the same, if not actually a little better than the Dragon Prince does. Cool. Um, oh, wow. A higher a higher frame rate, I might add, uh, <laughs> than the Dragon Prince. So, um, yeah, highly recommended. The other thing, and again, uh, this is another show I've been trying to get these two to watch, but that's Attack on Titan. It's an anime <laughs> that also is not for kids. Please no. don't let your kids watch it. <laughs> I've seen the first There's season. A- I'm pretty. I think okay. I've seen all of the first season. Okay. Well, the only thing I will say is that there are powers in this show that mm-hmm. is, uh, again, kind of like with uh, Ruby, passed on from person to person. Yes. But very specifically, there is the powers... There's a very specific way that these powers are given to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Unlike Avatar, where you don't have a choice in where it goes to. Mm-hmm. Except in Attack on Titan, if this very specific way that you give the power excuse me, that you give the powers doesn't happen, it goes to a random person, just yeah. like Avatar. As soon mm-hmm. as you're born, if you're born at the exact moment of that person's death, you get those powers. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of the only reason I wanted to mention it. Um, <laughs> I think that, to me, screams Avatar very specifically. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a good show that is very grounded in its world, that does a really, really, really good sense of world building. Yeah. And it gets you attached to these characters very quickly that I think Avatar does very well Mm -hmm. um, and has a good, solid cast. And so if you like Avatar, I think Attack on Titan will um, tickle that itch or tickle that, scratch that itch, rather. Um, Keep in mind, (laughs) keep in mind, keep in mind, though, um, like Full Metal Alchemist, it is anime. But what I appreciate about Attack on Titan, and I will say this again and again, I'll scream this from the rooftops. It does not have a lot of the anime bullshit that other anime. No, do. it's not. There is like and... there is maybe like a second of sexualization in this show that you can pretty much blink and you'll miss it. Yeah, there is like there's none of that like like high pitched like Oni Chan bullshit that like <laughs> like happens in anime. Like like none of that. In fact, the creator of the show watched. Game of Thrones, and he was like, you know what? This sucked. I want to do better than this yeah. with my thing. And so he, uh, the creator of the manga, I should say, yeah. he essentially wa- strives to uh, not be like Game yep. of Thrones. And fun fact, there is one chapter left, and that comes out n- next week. Yeah. So I will it's be exciting. letting you guys know if that succeeds. But um, Also, the city yeah. in Attack on Titan is very, very similar to Ba Sing Se. It is. It has uh, walls. There's three rings. The poor people yeah. live within the outer wall. On the wall. outer edge. And yeah. 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 So I, I'm not going to say That's actually a good it, point. That's, it, I'm yeah. not going to say it's a like ripoff of Bossing Say because it's that way for a different reason. 
You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like it's it's not a rip off of Bossing Say because it's done differently. I I would say it's more yeah. like Minus Tirith than it is Bossing Say, but you know maybe they're both influenced by Minus Tirith. Well, well, let's be honest as well. Um, both Bossing Say and a lot of these cities that have rings are actually based on. Um, no, that's true as well. The Chinese old, cities. Old, I was actually going to say Baghdad. Mm-hmm. Look up what Baghdad used to look like before it was destroyed. Baghdad pretty much looked like Bossing Say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Entirely like Bossing Say. And Twitter showed me this. And I was like, yeah. oh. Well, okay. in China, because I've, I've been to Beijing, they have moats. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. like concentric moats, and so I, that's. I wanted what I'm, to acknowledge. I wanted to acknowledge. You know, maybe a city that no one really acknowledges. That's fair. In these that's fair. Having um, been to Beijing, though, that's my experience, and it's sure, like concentric sure. circle moat things. Yeah, um, that's kind of the end of that conversation. I know it's kind of a weird kind of topic, um, but I really wanted this to be a chance for these shows to kind of get a second in the limelight on this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. I think all of these shows are, are worth talking about. One thing I didn't get to that I wish I could, it was Rhea uh, and the Last Dragon. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe save that for another episode. All right, so my favorite part of the podcast has now arrived, ladies and gentlemen, and that is trivia. So uh, just as a recap, um, we have the Salamander Axolotls <laughs> with A. Congratulations, Emily. You're still in the lead. and But... Trailing behind very closely, closing the gap, is the Wolf Marmots. Corey, how do you feel right now? Are you? Do you think you're going to pass your, your opponent today? Uh, I do not want to um, screw myself up, so I'm not going to comment. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, I did promise last week that they would uh, test me, but I really liked the uh, trivia that I thought of as like a backup. So next week, I promise yeah. these guys will try to school me in their in their trivia, and I promise you at home that I'm going to kick their ass. So uh, <laughs> good luck. I hope. <laughs> okay, so this this is fun. This is fun. What was the average budget of an episode of the original series? Give me a number, a, a money number, and give it to me as close as possible. Closest wins. Oh, I'm so bad with animation. Um, a hundred thousand. Okay, Emily. Uh, a hundred fifty thousand. Emily got it just due to um, prices right like rules. It's like way higher. <laughs> it is a million an episode. Jesus! Oh my gosh! One million dollars. Um, so. Uh, the average budget of an episode of Avatar is about a million dollars. Wow. And uh, the fun th- fact, uh, and this is like an early, this was like an early number. Mm-hmm. This was mentioned in a random episode of the commentary of season one. And I did research. They never, ever mentioned this number again. They never talked wow. about the budget again. Korra's budget was never talked about. Um, but it is interesting to note that if you look at Avatar as a whole, Sixty-three million dollar budget is pretty freaking big, right? That's a huge budget. Like that is, but it's also animation. Animation is yeah. expensive, right? Um, the fun fact I wanted to say for this question was during the clip show episode of Korra, the reason why it was made the way it was is that 
Nickelodeon actually cut their budget for season yep, four. I knew that. And yeah. the budget cut equaled to about an episode. And if we were to say that Cora probably has a similar budget, that's a million dollar budget cut. Yeah. And Mike and Brian were essentially given the hard choice to either cut an episode and essentially because they're cutting an episode, the people who work on the show would not get paid for it. Yep. There goes that money. They're not getting paid for the man hours. Yeah. And that's a huge, huge thing. Or release that same episode at a hard down version and do a little bit of animation so that the people who work on the show, the animators in Korea, the people at home, yeah. can get paid for it. And uh, obviously we know their answer. So I really appreciate them for thinking of the people working on the show more than the people watching it. Like, sure, yeah. it sucks to get a clip show episode, but I think it is better than nothing, which yeah. is what it would have been. So, appreciated. Um, question two. Which Avatar side story was originally pitched as a television film? Wait, what? Which Avatar side story, meaning any of the ancillary comics, books, anything, which of those side stories was pitched as a television film? I'm going to say search. the one where they're finding Zuko's mom. Yeah. Oh, damn. Uh, Corey. Corey is correct. Uh, he said it first. Damn. Uh, <laughs> so, like, yeah, it was... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, the delay. I'm going to blame the delay. Nope, nope. He said it way before you did. He just said the search right away, and you were kind of trailing off on your See, own. See, in, so. my, in my video, we said it at the same time, so... Sorry, sorry, bro. I know. Sorry. <laughs> womp, womp. Um... <laughs> So uh, the fun fact is that Akeem from The Search was actually an original concept by mm -hmm. uh, Jean-Louis Yang. Um, this was not in the original idea. Whether that was a good idea or mm -hmm. not, that is up to you. But it was an original idea. Good for him. Now, this is my favorite question I've done in this entire oh, podcast man. so far. <laughs> Be careful to my exact usage of my yes. uh, words here. Who was the first character in the original series to have been shown killed or dying? Killed you get or one, dying. You get one guess. Was it, was it Zhao? Is that, that's your guess, okay, Emily? Um, I'm gonna say Jet. Really? Okay. Uh, that's wrong, by the way. Oh. Like, very wrong. So, look back to season one finale. Corey is very close, but he is also wrong. That character would be Twee, the moon spirit. Oh, oh my god. I didn't even think about that. I'm so dumb. I didn't think about it either. <laughs> the, I'm so dumb. Was, that that's was a, a brilliant question. question. That's a really good I question. I thought of that. I thought of that because I was like, who... Because I was looking at Jet's, um, I was looking at Jet's trivia on his, and it was like he's like the third, he's like the fourth character to have been shown killed or dying on screen or whatever. And I'm like, who is the first? And it was it was the Ocean Spirit or the Moon oh. Spirit. Even even if I Gal. even if I had been smart enough to think of that, I don't think like I don't know which one's Tweed and which one's Lost. So I would have gotten it wrong probably. <laughs> it, honestly, if you would have just said the Moon Spirit, I would have given it to you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just being very specific. But but so would I also be the second one? No. 
Um, oh, because she doesn't really die. She just she's still oh, alive. Actually, you know what? She's it, just the spirit. It, I would have given it to Yue because that is a, de- a death. <laughs> I feel, um, but Zhao would have been number three, and then Jet would have been number four. So, um, isn't that a great question? That's I love a good that. question. That's a good um, question. By the way, in my head, I was like this. Zhao. Because oh, yeah. in my head, like yeah. Zhao dies, but he doesn't really die because he's stuck in the he spirit died. world. He he died. He died. <sighs> he it's died. Confusing. He died. You know, it was really unclear. Um, so the Thanks. fun fact from this actually has to do with that line. So Jet, the reason why his death was so freaking weird, and I remember watching this live and going, yeah. what? Why did they do it like this? So we all think, oh, it's a kid's show, right? The, the specific reason is actually due to Nickelodeon being a kid's network Mm-hmm. They have a policy to not allow children to be killed. <laughs> Obviously. So, Jed is a child. He's like 16. Yeah. And um, y- children are not allowed to be shown killed or dying due to their policy. Here's the other thing, though. They are also not allowed to be revealed dead later via dialogue or plot. Mm-hmm. And so, you could not mention Jet's death. Oh, wow. At all. You could not say later, hey, Longshot could not later say, yeah, Jet died. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Smellerby would say that. But um, so essentially that's why the Ember Island players made fun of this is because they literally were unable and not allowed to even mention it. Huh. And if you notice, every other character who ever died after him, including in Korra, was an adult. Yeah. Mm. And so it actually is kind of interesting that Jet was kind of the first on-screen death, and he was a child. Yeah. The, it is pretty ballsy to do that on a kids' network. So yeah. um, They found a way to get uh, around it. They bent the rules. They found a way. They, they did a, a Hitchcock-style way to get around it. Yeah. So good for them. So um, with that, that is... Um, we we got the same amount of that points. That is one today. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one point for Emily, one point for Corey. <laughs> so we actually need to do a tiebreaker round. Oh god, that's right. And I completely forgot to think of another question. So if you guys have a question to ask me, go ahead. I wrote <laughs> them down, but they're on my phone, which is using to record um, right now. So I don't I don't uh, have a question. I, I have one sort of off the top of my head. <laughs> Okay, so you know what we're going to do? I'm going to edit right here, and uh, I'll let you guys get the question real quick, and then you can ask me. We'll be right back. Okay, so we're back, guys. (laughs) Uh, We gave them time to get their question. Uh, Corey has requested to go first, so I will let him go first. (laughs) Go ahead. So, in the episode with the fortune teller, what cloud shape does Aunt Wu see that leads her to believe it'll be a good year for twins? Ow, you fucker. <laughs> How do you guys do this? <laughs> um, good year for twins. Oh my god, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's like a, it's like a bunny flower, I guess. I don't know. No, it's a bunny flower. What is it? Bending arrow cloud. That's right. I knew it was a bee. I knew it was a bee. I, I just. God damn, you got it. Okay, so Emily, if you uh, can't stump me, Corey gets the gets Shit. to. Okay. Yeah. Um. 
See, now that made me think of another question. Um, but um, bum, bum, okay. bum, bum. Also about you that episode, these are identical twins except for one difference. What is the difference between the two twins? I'm sorry, Emily. I'm really sorry. Oh, do you know what it is? Oh, of course I know what this is. One's an earthbender. Yeah. Damn it. Fuck. Did you, okay. Why didn't you use the question you were going to use? Well, because I can save it for next week. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, Corey, uh, you did get that point. You did get that point. So uh, the final total is Salamander Axolotl's nine, Wolf Marmots, uh, Wolf Marmots nine. So congratulations, guys. Uh, we are now tied up, which makes next week really interesting. And um, it's a power Corey, play. you now have the power to tell us uh, your final word. What do you want to talk about? Um, uh, so something I wanted to talk about in our original discussion was I think something really important that Avatar did was it started um, to open up that the the idea of you can have a really complex and interesting show because um, a lot of cartoons from the 80s and 90s were really just created to sell merchandise. Yeah. Um, right. Like you watch any episode of Power Rangers and it's just all the same nonsense over and over again recycled. But, you know, this week they have this thing. Um, so it's really was just right. all about, you know, selling toys. So I think the really important thing about Avatar is it started to open up that conversation for a lot of other shows to really delve deep into more important issues. So Yeah. Yeah. And, and Avatar really never sold merchandise when it was originally out. It had like some video games and stuff. A few Lego sets. It really sets. didn't have anything. Right, right. But they certainly are selling merch now because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm buying all of it <laughs> buying all of it there goes my there, that's pretty much where my money goes see that's the real big brain thinking is you get kids hooked on a show when they're young and then you come out with merch when they're older and have money and can buy all the merch that's big you brain have something right going there, there. You, have, you have something going there because honestly I would have been able to buy zero of the things I yep. have bought from Avatar if I was still uh, a 12 year old so they got me they got me good they got me um well with that Corey, uh how would you like to sign us out uh stay flaming <laughs> okay. flamey oh hot man <laughs>